right, everyone, let's go. It's another edition of the Wobcast 2.0. Glad you're with us. Lots to get to today. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Giles. We're going to talk quarterbacks. We're going to talk special teams. We're going to talk Vikings contracts, and we're going to speculate on where a stud-wide receiver who is reportedly going to be on the open market where he could end up. So a lot to unpack and talk about today, and we're excited to do it. Let's bring Giles in right now and kick this thing off. Hey, Giles, how's it going, man? Hey, hey, how we doing? Happy Tuesday. Uh, definitely excited to chat through today's uh, topics, especially at the quarterback position. Um, yeah. I definitely think we're going to walk through all the different elements of the NFC North. Uh, one thing I think is quite interesting is the fact that every single quarterback other than the Minnesota Vikings has a J starting uh, under center. Uh, you have Jared, Jordan, and Justin. Does that You're mean right. uh, there's a trend going to be forming for the men in purple? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait to find out. Okay. Well, they're saying that the Jimmy Garoppolo deal in Vegas could fall through, so that would be a J for the Vikings. E, there we Just go. Kidding. Just kidding. That's <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, what's Kirk's middle name? Does he have a J middle name? Because that's about the closest the Vikings are going to get to a, a J in at QB1. So, Seriously. Uh, you're probably looking it up right now knowing you. You're going to have it in about two seconds. But, um, yeah, we, we are going to talk quarterbacks today, and we're going to go through an interesting exercise. Did you find his middle name? It is Daniel. Daniel, Kirk Daniel Cousins. That is not a J name. Um, Dang it, so, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to, um, and it's not just today that we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do this between now and the start of the regular season as we continue continuously assess where the Vikings stand relative to where we want them to end up. Um, and to get to where you want to go, the first step is to win your division. Yes, you can get into the playoffs as a wild card team, but realistically best route to go you want to win your division that's the number one goal every team writes down on their whiteboard so how can the vikings do that where do they stand in the division right now we're going to go position by position and assess that position in the nfc north and essentially power rank each team relative to the others in the in the division and when we get all when we're all complete with it we'll just take a look at all the data and we'll make qualitative and quantitative assessments at that point and throughout so what we'll do is we'll start with the quarterback today and we have a little bit of a grading system that um that we've implemented where each team's starter is going to be graded on a scale of 1 to 10 so if Joe Montana was your starting quarterback you would give that you would your team would get a 10 if um Spurgeon Wynn was your starting quarterback, you know, you'd get like a one. Okay. And so then we're going to scale it. Um, each team's QB one, each team's QB two, each team's QB three, and then a cumulative grade. And on that scale for the starters, it's zero to 10. For the QB two, it's zero to four. So if you have a great backup who you think you could win more than half the games with, that guy's going to get a four. He's got a lot of experience. He knows the offense really well. He's played. He's got uh, wins under his belt. That'd be a four. If it's a backup with very little experience or a backup with a very poor record, it could be a zero out of four. And then for QB three, it's a it's a scale of zero or one. And the criteria there is about development. Does this guy have a chance to develop? Could he be your starter someday? If you think so, he gets a one. If you think not, he gets a zero. So it'll be a score out of 15 in total, and we'll see which team is sitting atop the division, which team is at the bottom. We'll do that for every position. It'll be a fun little ex exercise uh, where we can sort of blend qualitative and quantitative analysis together. That makes sense to you, guys? Let's do it. All right. So 
Um, we'll start with QB1, obviously, and we'll go in really no particular order, except for we will start with the Vikings each time. Um, Giles has some um, some quantitative data that he'll weave into the conversation, and then he'll give his own opinion. Um, and I'll start out uh, by giving mine. So when you look at QB1 across the division, Giles, um, I really think there's not an argument to be made for anyone other than Cousins being atop the heap. I gave him an 8 out of 10. Yep. Um, Detroit and Jared Goff come in second for me. And this is one I oscillated on a little bit, and we'll talk more about that after you sort of give your opinion and we go back and forth. But I, I gave Goff a 6. Okay. Justin Fields comes in third for me uh, with a 5 out of 10, and then Jordan Love is last with a 4 out of 10. So Cousins 8, Goff 6, Fields 5, Love 4 is how my list fell. How about you? Uh, I have relatively similar uh, ranking here. Uh, however, I put a little bit more uh, data into my rankings. Uh, mm -hmm. I went to PFF, which is um, not something to be the end-all be-all, but definitely something to be referenced. Mm -hmm. uh, I mixed together a combination of five different metrics, passing, rushing, interceptions, yards, and touchdowns. Um, for quarterbacks that played at least 20% of snaps, um, there were 41 of them uh, in the 2022 season. Um, I simply look at the rankings at the end of the season. Where did they rank for each of these categories? So Kirk Cousins um, ranked ninth in passing. Uh, he was 15th in rushing. He was 37th in interceptions, so was not a great interception person. He, he threw a lot of them, a lot of picks. He was fourth in yards and fifth in touchdowns. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, quickly go over through that. But essentially, I, I provided those rankings, and I came up with these quantitative scores out of 10 for each of the quarterbacks in the NFC North. For Kirk Cousins, that ultimately brought him down to a 7 out of 10. I know he had him at 8, but uh, I have met a 7 out of 10. Uh, for Jared Goff from the Lions, I had him had as a, a 6 out of 10. Uh, Jordan Love was a 4 out of 10 for the Packers, and Justin Fields was a 5 out of 10. Um, so to quickly highlight on that, some people might say, oh, you know, Justin Fields, is that a little bit low to have him? Well, ultimately, last year, he was 36th in passing. He was 3rd in rushing, so that was where he really showed. Uh, um, obviously, he's a very yep. rushing-oriented quarterback. He was 29th in interceptions. He was 26th in yards and 16th in touchdowns. Um, obviously, the rushing element was able to help him out in the touchdown category, but other than rushing, he's not necessarily uh, the most versatile quarterback. We'll see if that changes, but that really brought him down to a 5 out of 10. So what's interesting about this is not just the actual rankings, Giles, but also how much weight do you put into that category that a player is ranked high or low, right? So mm -hmm. example, Cousins is fifth in touchdown ranking, mm -hmm. okay? And Fields is third in rushing ranking, mm -hmm. right? You're you're gonna weigh one of those much more heavily than the other, correct? Mm -hmm. So yep. when it's not, even though you're putting number, what I, the point I'm trying to make for you guys is, even though you're looking at data and numbers, yep, you are putting a qualitative spin on this as well when yep. you make your rankings. Okay, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent, because you're absolutely correct. I put yards and touchdowns far away better than uh, the rest of those categories because yep. those are the those are the things that are actually going to move your team forward. Um, and additionally, I think you could make also a qualitative metric to talk about Justin Fields and his lack of receivers. Um, he also 
had the worst offensive line uh, in the NFC North. They were ranked 14th uh, versus the Vikings had the 10th best. Um, now, uh, you know, that's there's definitely room for improvement, but he had the 14th best. He had an average offensive line, um, but I think it definitely showed that he didn't necessarily have great receivers. Now, um, I think uh, it'll be proven to see here in the next uh, season whether the receivers were actually the issue or if it's uh, more of his progression. We know we've talked about this before, but when I think about a dynamic and mobile quarterback, I want your mobility to save the play not be the play. Exactly. Um, and I think uh, this next off season or this next season rather will be something that really proves which one of those is Justin Fields. All right. So the, the Fields one is interesting to me. I mean, without question, his, his weapon, the, the weapons around him are vastly improved from what they were mm-hmm. last year, right? Because, Absolutely. I mean, they, tr- they traded for DJ Moore. I like mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney quite a bit. And Chase Claypool is a guy, when he was with Pittsburgh, who I really liked, gets traded to Chicago, and I just think it was kind of underwhelming. But now he's got a whole mm-hmm. other year under his belt. So um, they, they do lose David Montgomery, but, I mean, it, it's running back. Like they have a nice young player in Rashawn Johnson. Uh, Khalil Herbert's an okay backup. Deonta Foreman's sort of a lunch pail type of guy. Mm-hmm. The running back situation is fine. It's not great. It's fine. But the wide receiver situation is vastly improved, I, I believe. And uh, Cole Komet, I think, is a nice player, especially if he can stay healthy. And then they went and signed Robert Tunyon. So mm-hmm. I really like what they've got going on around him. You know, the offensive line, I think you can sell pretty easily, but you don't know that till they start playing, right? And 100%. I, I can't say I've watched enough Bears offensive line <laughs> tape to really have a strong opinion, but I think the arrow is pointing up for Justin Fields, in, at least in terms of potential. And what's interesting is when I was all done with this exercise, and we're going to get to QB2 and QB3 and then cumulative, but when I was done with, with all of it, I did take a few extra minutes and said, you know, what are my blind spots here or or where am I potentially off and, and by what margin? And mm-hmm. for me, Justin Fields, the way I assessed him was, you know, I, I, I gave him a five. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I think he sits right now after watching him last year. But mm-hmm. I think he projects, if all goes well, I think he could be an eight. So I gave my, my wiggle room with him, uh, you know, plus three potentially. So, you know, I had him at five. I think he could be as good as an eight this year um, mm-hmm. if all goes well around him. Yeah. And his mobility is definitely something that keeps my eye open on him. I think it's mm-hmm. an appealing trait for a quarterback to have. I don't think you want to lean on it like Lamar Jackson does. Um, but I think it's nice to get you out of a jam. Um, and in those instances in which your receivers aren't getting open, it's a nice way to extend plays and pick up yards and keep the chains moving. So, um, I did have a couple of other, uh, I call them potential risers here, uh, aside from fields. And actually, um, there's another one who I had an even wider margin and that's Jordan love. I had him at a four. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same and now. I'm confident in that Giles because I don't think green Bay is confident in him and if they were they would have gone to him sooner and if they couldn't go to him sooner because they had rogers and why would you get rid of rogers they would have picked up the fifth year option which they didn't so i don't think the signals are there that green bay loves jordan love and that's why i have a four with him however I do think Matt LaFleur is good with quarterbacks and offense, and we've seen Green Bay do this twice before with Favre and Rodgers. So I leave open the possibility that they get it right with Love, 
And mm-hmm. he could project to me um, to get up into the eight area as well if all goes well around him, which I don't think it will. But if mm-hmm. it did, I think you could project him. Goff, maybe up to a seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Goff in a Super Bowl, Giles. So there was a point in time, I think, where you kind of scoffed at Jared Goff, but I don't think you can really do that anymore. I He's been to a Super Bowl with the Rams, and then he kind of – I mean, he he kind of pulled his boots up last week uh, by the strap or last year yep. by the straps and kind of got it done for Detroit. Mm-hmm. So um, I have Goff uh, at a firm six, but I could see it being a seven if if he does this year again what he did last year. When we do this a year from now, I'll have him at a seven. Mm-hmm. I uh, I would uh, mostly agree. I think uh, I've said it before. I think. Jared Goff may be a diet Kirk Cousins and the fact that they have a lot yeah. of similarities. Um, now obviously, Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. But in that, I think, uh, lies the message that he is a, a, someone that can capitalize when the environment around him is great. And the part that really stands out to me is that they had the third best offensive line in football last year. And I expect them to potentially be the best O-line in football this upcoming season. Um, so that's where, if you give him time to, to play and he has amazing playmakers all around him, he can really make hay. He can put up a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. I mean, this past season, he was sixth in yards and fifth in touchdowns. He was basically uh, Kirk Cousins in those regards. Like they were neck and neck. And in fact, they were tied for, for fifth in touchdowns. Um, so I think if you good hit him a good O line, he's going to make hay. Um, I ha- also have him at as a, as a firm six out of 10. But I think, uh, if you're able to increase your offensive production, um, and have the best offensive line in football, have another year with his weapons, I think you could maybe get him to a seven or an eight. Um, I think an eight would have to be an, an all-star MVP season. Um, otherwise, I think it'd be a seven. Um, but ultimately, I think he's a, a person that can really capitalize on his environment. Yeah, to me, the key, a couple of keys with Goff are going to be, I, I believe Jamison Williams is going to be unavailable for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, this year, which is a big bummer. However, they did get Marvin Jones back, and of course, Amon Rossi Brown is a stud, and Josh Reynolds will be their third. Mm-hmm. I think they're better at running back this year than they were last year. I really Completely do. And, yeah, um, and that's not a knock on DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, Jamal Williams, I think, is an okay back. He's good. He goes to the Saints. That's a nice get for them, especially with Alvin Kamara's status also being in question due to a, a possible suspension. But mm-hmm. the drafting of Jameer Gibbs, I think, is um, very interesting. I think he's got mm-hmm. potential to be a great playmaker, and I think David Montgomery is better than a lot of people think he is. So I think yep. the Lions got better at running back. I think they especially when you put him behind that O line, and it's a great O line, no doubt about that. You're right, and no matter how you look at it, the Lions' offensive line is very. Good. It's probably the best in the division. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really. You know, the Vikings are very strong at uh, left tackle and right tackle, so you can maybe construct some sort of argument uh, with the Vikings, but I think anyone in the Viking Vikings nation would swap the Lions O-line for the Minnesota one, I think. I think they're the yes. best in the division. So, Absolutely. yeah, we'll be interested to see um, what happens with the Lions. You know, there's actually a lot of pressure on them. I think there's so much positive publicity and positive momentum for the Lions, that it's actually putting the Vikings in that enviable position where it's like they're kind of slighting you guys. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're preordaining the Lions to be the the top of the division, where the Vikings can kind of sit quietly and at TCO Performance Center and be like, "Yep, everyone loves the Lions. We'll see how that shapes out." You know, so yeah. <laughs> um, 
a lot of pressure, I think, in Detroit to sort of uphold those expectations, and, and we'll see what happens. So um, shall we go to QB2? Let's do it. All right. So for this exercise with the backup quarterback in the NFC North, the names that we have for each team, Detroit, Nate Sudfeld, Chicago, P.J. Walker, uh, the Vikings, of course, with um, Nick Mullins, and then uh, we had Clifford for Green Bay, whose first name escapes me here. What, what's Clifford's first name? Uh, oh, Sean. Sean Clifford. Yeah. So those were the four backups. Um, underwhelming grades here for me. I gave Mullins a one out of two. He had a little run with San Francisco where he won some games. But I think since then, um, it's, it's not gone great for him. I don't think he's a horrible guy to have as a backup, but uh, I'm not as high on him as I'd like to be on my backup quarterback. So I gave him a one. Okay. However, it's so underwhelming in the NFC North for backup quarterbacks that he's tied for first as uh, for backup <laughs> quarterback rankings. I gave no one a two. I gave Nate Sudfeld a one. For similar reasons to Mullins, I think if I had to rank these guys, I'd put Mullins over Sudfield or Sudfeld, but I gave him both a mm -hmm. one. P.J. Walker, I think, has got some grit to him and mm -hmm. some athleticism, so I didn't want to give him a zero, but mm -hmm. he's not an awesome backup. Like in the backup quarterback draft, you know, P.J. Walker's not one that you're targeting and that you want, and then Sean Clifford mm -hmm. I, I gave a zero to. So um, I have Mullins one, Sudfeld one, Walker one, Clifford zero, a tie for first among Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago at QB2. I think uh, mine, uh, my rankings are a little bit uh, uh, biased because I work in financial services, so I think mm -hmm. mine are a little bit inflated, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but by an equal portion across the board. So ultimately, I started with Nick Mullins, and I gave him a two out of four, um, yeah. partially because um, I think when you compare him to our previous QB2s, he is a lot more competent. I think we've gone to the cornerback room uh, a little bit incompetent in the past, um, uh, with all due respect to those players, but a lot of them have been relatively inexperienced. Um, when I think about uh, some of the people we've drafted and things like that, I think uh, Nick Mullins is at least a competent QB2. Um, yeah. I put him into the boomer bust category and the idea that if you put him on the field, he's going to start slinging it. Now that can blow up in your face in a big way, but if it doesn't, It'll, it'll also be very productive, right? Um, so yeah. when I think about someone that can move the ball down the field, there's a chance you're going to have a, an interception in there. But if you're able to squeak it through without one, I think you're actually going to be able to be productive. So I put him at a two out of four. Um, Sudfeld, I put him at a one um, for similar re reasons that you mentioned. Sean uh, Clifford, also put him at as a one. Um, I didn't want to be disrespectful and give him a zero, but maybe I should have. Um, but uh, least excited of the QB twos in the NFC North. Um, and then PJ Walker, I also gave it to um, to compare PJ Walker and Nick Mullins. I think uh, I would definitely rank Mullins above PJ Walker. Um, I gave him a two um, simply because uh, of the reasons you mentioned. I think he has a little bit of grit. Um, but at the end of the day, all of them are similar ages. Uh, Sean Clifford is still twenty four, but the rest of them are twenty eight, twenty nine years old. Um, Nate Sudfeld is six six, so he's a little bit taller than the rest of them so i think there's some interesting elements there um uh but ultimately yeah all, all of them are nothing that's really going to get me up in the morning yeah i was maybe a little too hard on mullins and sudfield sudfeld so i'll i'll give them twos i think you're okay. right you made a good case for both of them so i bumped those two up one each um okay. and maybe a zero out of four for clifford's little little yeah. <laughs> it's not like they have no one back there right or, yeah or a rookie back there 
but so, nothing that gets you really excited. Yeah, and really, that's I, that's the broader point, Giles. Is I can't remember the stat, not a three. But, <laughs> yeah, no, but I can't remember what the number is. But the total number of quarterbacks who start games is it gets to the point where almost everyone uses two, and a good handful of teams use three. Mm-hmm. So the point there is you need more than just your starter. You really do. You cannot live every year with the opinion of, well, if our starter gets hurt, we're screwed anyway. You can't mm-hmm. do that every year. No. It might end up being true, and that might end up being your reality in a given year or two years out of five. But mm-hmm. three or four years out of five, you need someone back there who you can bring in for a four-game stretch and go two and two, right? Yes. Don't so train break the season. Yes, and from that standpoint, Giles, I I don't think the NFC North is in a good spot at all. I think I think an injury to the starter for all four teams for more than four games is catastrophic. I would generally agree, uh, although if I had to pick someone, I would definitely pick Nick Mullins out of all the QB2s, but I would agree that would definitely not be a good hit for your season. If the Vikings defense is much better, Giles, uh, maybe, but mm-hmm. – Last year's, de- I mean, the, the Vikings get steamrolled. I mean, there mm-hmm. is no way, in my view, that Mullins would be able to score enough points over a month or a month and a half to keep the Vikings afloat if they weren't already. Let's say, let's say Cousins had him at eight and two and then he is out for four weeks, they would be fine, mm-hmm. right? Because the worst they could be is eight and six. And at that point, mm-hmm. they're going to be a wild card team and maybe still win the division. But yep. a, a, a quarterback injury in this division that's lengthy in nature and early in the season is is going to be catastrophic to to these to any of these teams i don't like yep. the depth at all i think uh when you're thinking about qb2s if they have to enter the arena being a non-elite qb2 i think you need uh three things at least two out of these three things one you need a good defense two you need a good o-line uh or three you need a great coach system uh, you need at least two out of those three in order to not train wreck your team yeah. um I think of like the the San Francisco 49ers. There's a chance that they have all three of those. So when you put in someone that's not an elite quarterback in your backup position, they're able to thrive or at least be successful in that type of environment. Um, So that's why I think when you think about the Minnesota Vikings, if we can improve the offensive line, maybe that puts them in a better posture. But when I think about Nate Sutfeld, uh, if you have the best offensive line in football, um, you have a decent defense if they're able to improve, they'll at least be able to to muddle by for four games if that were to happen. But if you only have one out of the three years, zero out of the three you're definitely train wrecking your system yep agreed all right qb3 now here it's a scale of zero to do we say two uh one just one 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 or zero yeah so one or zero here for the qb3s and we got an eye toward development here not an eye toward if they got to play five games can you go three and two or two and three that's not what we're looking for here we're looking for potential for mm-hmm. future, for development and growth. Can this guy mm-hmm. potentially be your guy mm-hmm. in two or three years? So for this um, for this part of the exercise, for the Vikings, we have Jaron Hall, of course. For the Lions, we have Hendon mm-hmm. Hooker, both of whom were drafted this past uh, draft. The Packers have Danny Etling, and the Bears have Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. So those are the four names. I gave Jaron Hall a one. I think mm-hmm. he is... Obviously not a first-round pick, but if he were, he'd probably not be a QB3 discussion guy. He'd probably be a QB1 slash QB2 discussion guy. So I think as it comes to developmental projects, the Vikings have about as good a situation as you could have. 
an established starter who will not be looking over his shoulder at the guy who you drafted in the middle rounds. But the guy you drafted in the middle rounds has some tools, has Mm -hmm. some things about him that are appealing, that capture your attention. So that's what the Vikings have in Jaron Hall. I like the physical um, set that he has. He seems to have the right mentality for it. I like that he has some mobility. Mm -hmm. So I gave him a one. I also gave um, a one to to Hendon Hooker um, for very similar reasons. I don't think that he's a guy – I mean, the head coach himself, uh, Dan Campbell, said it's going to be a while before Hendon Hooker plays. So I think part of that, Giles, was – what we talked about with cousins where it's like, if you're going to take a quarterback, you got to have this conversation with mm-hmm. your court, your starter. Like, don't worry about it. You're our guy. You're good. Nothing's happening. And I think that was maybe part of the design for Dan Campbell was to lower the expectations to take pressure away from Hendon hooker to mm-hmm. make Jared Goff feel better. And to tell the media and fans to back off on hooker. Like it's not yep. hooker time. Right. Yeah. So, yep. um, so, but I still give him a one because I think he's got um, a chance to develop and to be Detroit's guy at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I um, I gave a one to Nathan Peterman. Um, I I, I he's not going to be the guy over Justin Fields, no. but I think he's got the tools, the chance to be like um, a Nick Mullins or better. Mm-hmm. Remember, like the Vikings went through a series of veteran backups who you were never that excited about, but they could get the job done for a short while if you needed him to, like yep. Kelly Holcomb, right? Mm-hmm. Like a yes. guy like that. Yep. So I gave the Bears. I wanted to give him a point for Peterman, so I did that. I gave uh, Etling, I gave him a, a zero. I mean, I, <laughs> I just, I think he just takes reps in practice. I don't know. Yep. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm underselling the guy. And Mrs. Etling, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but... Um, <laughs> I gave, Don't quit your day job. <laughs> I gave Etling and the Packers a zero. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, I gave the same scores. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Hall one, Peterman one, Hooker one, Etling zero. So yep. cumulative here, um, it got a little bit closer than maybe I thought it would uh, because I, I have the Vikings sitting at 11 out of 15 mm-hmm. in first place. Mm-hmm. I have Detroit in second place, 10 out of 15, just one point behind uh, the Vikings, who are at 11, Lions at 10. The Bears are 6 out of 15, and Green Bay comes in at 5 out of 15, hurting quite a bit. So Vikings 11, Lions 10, Chicago 6, Green Bay 5. And, guys, you're going to go through and give us yours, but it's funny. That's kind of how the division, I think, is going to play out from a team standpoint. Like, I think the Vikings, it's neck and neck. I give the edge to the Vikings, Detroit second, Chicago distant third, and Green Bay way back. Yep. Uh, I think you're absolutely correct. I think uh, whoever is saying that the Lions are in a better position, I think, are looking at uh, every other position other than maybe their quarterback room. Uh, although they're not, not necessarily a train wreck, I don't think that's necessarily something you can lean on either. Um, so my score was very similar, but a little bit different. Uh, the Vikings at 10, Lions at 8, 
Packers at five and then the Bears at eight. So I had the Lions and the Bears tied. And I think okay. the reason that uh, that puts them into that position is that there's an upside of Justin Fields, but I think there's an upside to Hendon Hooker. So I think your your ranking is put together a little bit differently from different positions. But at the end of the day, your Lions and Bears are at a neck and neck position with the Packers trailing at the bottom of the division. Um, but I think regardless, it still puts the Vikings in the leading position. Uh, I think both with our uh, position that Kirk Cousins is the best QB one um, with the addition that Jaron Hall maybe have has an opportunity to take the QB two position in, cha- in training camp. So yep. um, I think we have the the highest current status, but also the kind uh, the the highest perspective status for the QB position yep. across the board. Yep. So you just answered the next question I was going to ask you. the The question I was going to ask you was: Is there a team whose quarterback situation you would trade for if you were the Vikings? I don't think so because i'm honestly not that high on justin fields if i had a different position on that maybe i'd change it um because at the end of the day you're gonna you're gonna pick uh, an amazing qb1 um ahead of another room that has some above average qb2 and threes right mm-hmm. you want your qb1 to be way better if i have to pick one or the other i'd much rather have just an amazing qb1 with a trash two and three mm-hmm. um but I'm not necessarily high on fields. Maybe other people would disagree with that. But other than that, I think I'd stay with Kirk Cousins because Jared Goff is in a similar status. He has a better offensive line. But if you get a, a better offensive line to Kirk Cousins, I think you get a better performance than Jared Goff. I really do. Yep, me too. Um, I I would take the Vikings quarterback situation over any other in the division. And I'm I'm not really laboring about that. Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty clear. Um, Last question on this before we move on to some other topics, though. Did you hem and haw at all over Jordan Love? I did. I really did because uh, that is a quite lucky franchise. The fact that they got two franchise quarterbacks in a row is quite phenomenal. Um, And the fact that they have given him another contract – is kind of interesting because uh, when you look at the Packers organization, they don't really have an ownership group. I mean, they do, but they don't. Um, mm-hmm. So there's less pressure on getting things right than maybe another organization would be. Um, so I think if they didn't like him, they would have just simply moved on from him. I, I get that he was a first round pick, but they're less likely to get fired if they move on from him than they would be at another organization. So the fact they gave him another contract is really intriguing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I look at what's around him, Giles, and you know, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and then the offensive line, mm-hmm. I think is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really do. Like, Bakhtari and health is always going to be a question, but I think Elgin, Elgton Jenkins is good. Josh Myers mm-hmm. is good. John Runyon, to me, at right guard, appears to be a good developmental guy. Mm-hmm. So, I, there's some things there I like about the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then the running backs are great. I don't, I mean, there's probably not many, there's not a better one-two punch than that, really. There might be one or two that are better, but I mean, you can't really get much better than that, right? Correct. Jones and, yep. and Dylan. So, yep. but the part that's tough is, you know, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed. It's, it's just so unproven and young and raw. Mm-hmm. And you, you could, you could swallow that when you had one of the best of all time throwing to him. Right, mm-hmm. but you kind of all those words I use to describe the receivers is what I would use to describe now the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Inexperienced, raw, and you kind of got to have good players around them. Yep. And I don't know they have that at 
at the most important position for the quarterback, the pass catcher. I don't know if they have that. The interesting part to me beyond what you're mentioning is uh, PFF's look at the quarterbacks. Now, I recognize the the sample size is much different between all of these. But when you rank the PFF grade between all of the upcoming starting quarterbacks from last year's grade, Jordan Love had the highest PFF grade. Um he had a 78.7 grade, and Kirk Cousins had a 77.4. Now, once again, PFF is not the end-all, be-all. Uh, mm-hmm. But when Jordan Love did play, he had flashes of greatness. Now, when you look at him in 2021, he had a 36.2. So he did not have a good uh, rookie season, so to speak, or when, when he first uh, first started playing um, in the very limited snaps that he did. But we got a little bit more snaps last year. Um, he did improve. So I think uh, if you're able to capitalize on that, I don't think he'll be a train wreck, but that is a big if. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where the Packers season goes. Yeah, I'm not sure. high on them, but I'm also not prepared to say they will be absolutely the worst team in the world. I, I'm not either. I don't think you can quite go there because there's more than enough solid foundation in place there that it's, it'd be a little cavalier to just write them off. I mean, mm-hmm. Matt LaFleur, solid offensive line, really good mm-hmm. running backs, and a guy who watched how to do it for four years, and if he can emulate it at all, if he can be 55% as good as Rodgers, mm-hmm. they're not going to be a, a joke. Yep. You know, Good so, defense, good offensive line, good play caller. Yep. Like yep. You have the good elements surrounding him. Yeah, so anyway, a fun exercise to do uh, at the quarterback position. I thought, Giles, I know we're going to do this for every position for the NFC North. But I thought to really get a true number, a true ranking on these, it'd be interesting to do this exercise league-wide, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I gave Cousins an 8 out of 10. Yep. Would I give him an 8 out of 10 if I was also doing this for Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers? Like, would I still be giving him an 8? I don't know if I would or not. Yep. So yep. in a vacuum, these are the numbers. If we were league-wide the numbers might be a little bit different. But we're just doing the NFC North, um, and we're going to do every position. And next week uh, when we're back together, we'll uh, take a look at each team's pass rushing group. We'll focus mm-hmm. on the, the edge players. I don't want to call them DNs because we got 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. So mm-hmm. we'll just call them the pass rushing group, the edge rushers. Um, we'll take a look at that group next week and rank them in very similar fashion where we'll have a grading scale. We'll rank them relative to each other, and we'll see who comes out on top. For this week and the quarterbacks, it was the Minnesota Vikings who come out on top. Okay, let's talk uh, a couple other things here before we wrap things up for this week, Giles. I want to talk about uh, the new kickoff rule that was implemented by NFL owners at the spring meetings where they voted on a resolution that will be for one year on a trial basis, and then they'll vote to ratify it or not, where players will be allowed to fair catch on kickoffs and have the resulting possession begin at the 25-yard line, which is also where it begins for touchback. So essentially what you're doing is increasing the probability for a touchback-like event to happen on a kickoff. The result, it would you would, you would stand to reason, will be fewer kickoff returns. And the talk tracks that came out of the owners' meetings were about concussions and player safety and Mm -hmm. wanting to essentially limit this play and almost take it out of the game, Mm -hmm. citing player safety for the reason. And I've got some concerns about it. Uh, Whenever something like this happens, I always wonder what's next. 
What are we taking? Mm-hmm. Because the, they take their numbers, and I say their numbers, gals, because you've done this in your professional life, and I've been doing it my entire professional life. I mean, liars figure and figures lie, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you take you go get data to support your opinion, right? Yep. Or to support the outcome that you want to promote. You go find the data that does that, right? And you yep. leave out the data that doesn't. Data integrity. Yeah. Right? Okay. So they're saying uh, all these concussions on kickoff returns, player safety, we got to uh, we got to reduce concussions. Okay, great. So what happened to player safety and those concerns when we decided we're going to flex teams into Thursday night football? And now you mm-hmm. might play more than one Thursday night football game. Where's player safety there? How about yeah, for the, recovery? Yep. Yeah. Yep. How about the Philadelphia Eagles and the the QB sneak rub, uh, rugby scrum? Yep. I mean, we're gonna get a broken neck on that play one of these times. Yep. You know, where's player Pretty safety much. there? Yep. We, I feel like it, the, it's a squeaky wheel gets the grease where one one team said this. Hey, we should do this because of player safety, and that's one of those arguments that you can't argue against. Yeah. Like. You know, like, oh, well, I can't vote against player safety. So I guess, yep, I'll raise my hand, you know. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so they identified, Giles, the kickoff return as now the most dangerous play. So mm-hmm. they're going to effectively elim- limit it, maybe even eliminate it, right? But mm-hmm. the it's you said a good term for it, slippery slope. So, so now what's next? Because now that you got that out, what's the next most dangerous play? Because mm-hmm. are you going to eliminate that one? Yep. I mean, are are you going to eliminate blitzing from the second level? Yep. Because this is football. It, it is a dangerous game, and I think it'd be a far more appropriate approach to to improve their 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 uh, uniforms and their their helmets. Like technology. They're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're already doing that. I think they're implementing some new uh, helmets league wide. There are different ways to crack that egg if that really is your concern. Yes, and 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 they've done other things like that. Like it used to be, I believe, a ten or fifteen yard running start on kickoff return that they now make five you have Mm -hmm. you you line up five yards from the the line of scrimmage on a kickoff right so Mm -hmm. there's yeah there are other more creative ways i think they could do this but again i asked the question what are you eliminating next the three-point stance should we get Mm -hmm. rid of that Mm -hmm. i mean because if i if i had some crazy idea one day where i wanted to eliminate the three-point stance i could say all right of all the concussions that happened this year 24 percent of them came when a player lined up in a three-point stance Mm-hmm. So you oh well, I guess we should get rid of it. Get rid of the three point stance now. I mean, yeah. how how much are you going to change the game? There is inherent yeah. risk in this game. Mm-hmm. They sign up for that. They do sign up for that, and there's inherent risks in other professions too. You know, mm-hmm. you think the guys who build power lines or who replace antenna on the top of skyscrapers or clean windows, um, you know, in downtown New York. I mean, there's inherent risk everywhere, and I get it. Mm-hmm. You want to make it as safe as you can make it, but at some point. It is what it is, and there's mm-hmm. risk. Yep. So I didn't like to see it. What I am interested in seeing is how. what's the response to this? Not by fans, but by coaches. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Because are you going to pop it up? Are you going to do little pop kicks to the 30-yard line and let your coverage team run down and blast the guy? Because mm-hmm. now you got fullbacks and tight ends and in some cases offensive linemen up in these positions and you're going to pop one up to them and have them catch it and take on a tackler? Mm-hmm. Or are those guys going to fair catch it now too? What Are you going to see squib kicks? Mm-hmm. What are you going to see here where teams will sort of not, not circumnavigate the rules but adjust it to their advantage? Yep. You're going to see something. I just don't know what it's going to be. 
And what is that going to do to the roster? I mean, like if you if you project that maybe teams prioritize special teams a little bit less because they they, they can't game it, so to speak. Um, yeah. What does that mean for like Kane and Wangu? Does he does he still yeah. have a place in the roster? Because he's obviously not met um, the running back standards for getting actually onto an offensive snap. So if you don't have him on an offensive scheme, is he worth having on the fifty three? When especially when you have to carry three quarterbacks this year because you're not going to be able to sneak Jaron Hall through waivers. Mm-hmm. Like you have a number of players that you need to be able to have on your roster on your fifty three. What does that do for people like Kanae Wangu, who is arguably one of the best, if not the best, kick returners? Um, that's really putting a, a kind of a, a target, so to speak, on his back for his position. Yeah, I mean, the risk here on the kickoffs is if you just do a regular kickoff and it reaches the five yard line, I mean, you, you're going to, inst- the return team is going to instruct the returner to fair catch it. It's 20 mm-hmm. free yards. Right, yep. so so teams are gonna either tell their kicker to blast it through the end zone, yep, and you're just never gonna worry about kickoff returns, you know, or what? I mean, I I just I we're gonna see something different, and I just I'm not gonna get a good idea about it myself like I used to, I, because I'd be mm-hmm. at practice and I'd be watching mm-hmm. what what are we doing on special teams in the kickoff period, and I'll see it. Mm-hmm. I'll see mm-hmm. not only what we're doing but what we're anticipating other teams to do because we're going to practice that. And so that'll mm-hmm. tell me what we're anticipating. Yeah. I'm not going to have any visibility into that. All we're going to have is reports out of training camp and you know practices and all that and what players or coaches say in the media. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's a significant change. And whether it gets ratified or not, I have no idea. But uh, to me, the big question is what what is next? You know, mm-hmm. and I – Andy Reid said something about it. Uh, I, he got pretty opinionated. He's like, you know, we're, pretty soon it's not even going to be tackle football. And I'm like, wow, that's Andy Reid. That's yeah. Andy Reid. Yep. He's won, won a Super Bowl. I mean, one of the most respected coaches in league history who's who's saying this is getting out of hand. Yeah, we're going to so, be playing um, flip flag football before on uh, for long. Yeah, <laughs> and and we'd have to go back and check the record on this, but I I do believe that the head coaches were not in favor of this mm-hmm. as a group. And so it's interesting to me that you get a bunch of suits in the room and they think that they know enough to go against what their head coaches recommended. Yeah, 100%. That doesn't sit right with me. And coaches are not like uh, out there just playing God with all their players either. It's not like they want them to get hurt. Like availability is the best ability, right, for a lot of coaches. So they're not in the in the position to want their players to get hurt. Like that is bad for them. So if they're still for it, they that really speaks yeah. volumes in my opinion. Yeah, so I was not pleased to see that. I was bummed out. I, I think it's the wrong move. And hopefully it doesn't work out the way they wanted it to and they do not ratify this for permanent placement but mm-hmm. um th- that's where we sit right now agreed uh, a couple other things are you concerned that justin jefferson is not at otas not at all um okay. i view him as someone that will get his big contract uh, aside from something else happening like if the the vikings think they could go get five first round picks for him or something uh and they think going to get caleb williams would be a better route uh, I don't see that happening to be very, very, very clear. Um, outside of that happening, I think he's just simply uh, um, prioritizing his safety because he doesn't have his big contract. He is obviously amazing. Uh, I expect him to come in the building once that happens, but I'm, I'm not Agreed. concerned about that at all. I'm not either. Dalvin Cook, are you wondering maybe if he's going to be here or in your mind is he a post-June 1 cut? 
Um, I think uh, in maybe uh, the last two weeks, I've expected him to almost certainly be cut. But now there's been rumor uh, from Darren Doogie Wilson that maybe he's having a change of heart that I think he's not expect er, the, the running back market isn't what he expected and that he thinks that he can maybe make more money here. Um, the only kind of decision tree that I see here now is the Vikings now perceivably have the upper hand um, where they're like, hey, we had a, a, a deal on the table before and you've you you uh, laughed at it. Um, are they going to honor that original offer, or are they going to downplay that? And what does mm-hmm. Dalvin do in response to that? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'll really be really interesting to see what the Vikings do if they'll say, "Hey, we'll honor it. We want you here," or if they say, "Hey, that was the old offer. This is the new offer. Before we were going to give you eight. Now we want six or five um, because we've already paid Alexander Madison. We drafted Dwayne McBride. Um, I think Ty Chandler is maybe on the up and comings. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him now that it's post draft. But if I have to give you an opinion, I think Dalvin Cook might still be in purple. I'm wondering that too. And if he is, I would expect, I would optimistically expect, I guess I'd be curious to see, is maybe a better way to put it, utilization of Dalvin outside of as a tailback. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's your new WR3. You know, like KJ Osborne's now WR4 and Dalvin's WR3, but like more than one or once or twice a game lining up in the slot. Like, interesting to me. If it's sort of, you know, it's a thing where Dalvin's Mm -hmm. kind of a receiver on Madison is your your tailback. Especially as we start to mimic more of the 49ers style of offense, I think uh, you prioritize that versatility. Now, I think before this happened, I was really excited for uh, D-Way McBride because he was a pretty phenomenal pass blocker, um, like where he could step in and be one of the best pass blocking running backs in the league, where I, I was like, man, that's going to be phenomenal when it comes to play action. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they blend that in with Dalvin Cook. Um, obviously, that's projecting that Dwayne McBride is able to be successful in the running back room. I think uh, training camp will obviously shed some light on that, uh, but I'm really interested to see what that running back by committee looks like and what that yep. breakdown looks like. Yep, me too. All right, last one. DeAndre Hopkins, are you intrigued at all here, Giles? Uh, three deep, question mark. <laughs> mm, how good would that be? That'd be phenomenal. Uh, I don't know if we can afford him. We'd have to do a, a restructure of some sort across the board from some big players, but boy, would that be fun. Yeah, it would be. Boy, would that be fun. I mean, I think you could pretty instantly be the best wide receiver uh, room in the league. Number one, for sure you would be. Yeah, Um, Yeah. hands and feet. I remember when we did, um, last season, we did our player rank, our position rankings or whatever, top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. I think I had, I think I had Nuke up there. I think two maybe or three, you know, Mm -hmm. and he hadn't played yet, I don't believe, or he had just come back from his suspension. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I, I know he's not, you know, out of sight, out of mind. He's out of sight, out of mind for folks right now. Mm-hmm. But that guy is so good. DeAndre Hopkins is so good. So good. I think he's still got a little bit of gas left in the tank. I'm excited to see where he goes. I've seen Chiefs. I've seen Bills. I've seen Ravens. So I've seen a lot of different possibilities. I have not seen anything really about the Vikings. I saw a lot of creative tweets and memes and stuff from Vikings fans. Um, about it so it's not something i really am anticipating uh however i whoever gets them i think they're getting a pretty pretty dang good player because that guy's got game 
I do think if the Vikings sign him, whether that's for a year or anywhere beyond that, I think that goes to show that the Vikings consider themselves to be in a win-now mode. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the Vikings' defense is maybe a little bit of a question mark. That's not meant to say that they're bad or they're good. It's a question mark. Um, I think uh, the defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, can really maybe bring uh, some interesting elements to that, but it is still a question mark. And that would be a, a vote of confidence for the offense that, hey, if we can really be this deep, if we expect our offensive line to take another step forward, Kirk Cousins to be in his first second season with the same play caller and you bring in another premier wide receiver i mean you could make an argument that justin jefferson and and d hop are both top five um yeah and then you add in the addition of uh, jordan addison um you sign josh oliver who is one of the best blocking tight ends in football you're bringing in some amazing wrinkles um i think you could make an argument that we would be the best offense in football if that happened, um, mm-hmm. all things considered. Can you overcome the deficiency of the defense with a number one offense? Um, I would maybe make an argument of yes, as long as we're not a train wreck. But I think that would be an, a vote that we are in a win-now window. For sure it would be. Uh, again, I don't think it'll happen. It could. Would be interesting. I don't even think he's coming to the north. And, you know, there's so many good quarterbacks in the AFC right now that I'm thinking that's where he's going. Mm-hmm. And unless he wants to win, that, that that's the downside of that. Right. Because I mean, when you pick one, it's hard to say that you're going to win because the there's so many good teams in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. But very curious to see where he goes because I don't think it's an inconsequential um, acquisition for whoever gets him. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. very consequential. So excited to see where he ends up. Yeah. Also excited to uh, do this all over again next week, Giles, as we take a look at edge rushers. Um, in the NFC North and see where the Vikings stack up against everyone else. That should be um, a fun project. So we'll spend the next week or so uh, preparing the data and preparing the opinions, and we'll share it with everyone here on the next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. For now, though, I think we're finished. Did we get to the end of your notebook? Are we good? Yep, we've cleared it out. All right, good stuff. Um, We are glad you all were here and listening. We hope you come back. If you've missed past uh, Wobcast 2.0 episodes and you want to catch up, and to subscribe and like and engage with us in the future, please do so wherever you do that with all your other favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We're also on YouTube. So if you're not watching us on YouTube right now but you want to, go to YouTube and find us there and uh, and check out the Wobcast 2.0. Until then, though, we're going to sign off. So for Giles, this is Wobby signing off until next week when we take a look at NFC North, edge rushers, and pass rushers. Can't wait to do it. Skull Vikings.